0: First Corinthians two these are the words of God, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I did not for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So far, the reading of God's inspired and an errant word. Paul here gives a Trinitarian explanation for why his preaching was so unimpressive, why he didn't come with eloquence of speech, why he didn't preach such sermons that people would say, Oh, Paul, what a preacher! No, he preached such sermons that that were full of the truth about the triune God, Uh, and the fact that Jesus Christ is God, that the Holy Spirit is God, that uh, Jesus, who pours out his Spirit, uh, is the one who has died for our sins, uh, and that we are saved not by some great thing that we do, but by a great death that Jesus died, as God had planned within himself to do from before the world began. And so the the Apostle would plainly uh, teach these things, plainly preach these things, um, not with great uh, eloquence or wisdom. Uh, But the result is that those who came to be convinced that these things are true, you'd realize they were not convinced by how great the sermon was or how great the eloquence of the sermon was. They were convinced by the power of God. That it was the same God who... Had come in the second person of the Godhead and died for their sins, who had also now in the third person of the Godhead made them spiritual people so that they could understand and believe these spirit given words. And thus their faith was not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Their faith was not in how um, uh, excellently spoken the sermon was, but in the God who had changed their heart to believe in Jesus, and specifically to believe that Jesus is God, who had died for their sins. As he says in the middle of the chapter, that Jesus is the Lord of glory. As he says at the end of the chapter, that Jesus is Yahweh, whose mind the Spirit gives us. Uh, Where does he say that? Well, he says that in Job 15, uh, verse 8, Isaiah 40 verse 13, uh, that it is the mind of Yahweh that we have when we have the mind of Christ. Verse 16, the implication of the question, who has known the mind of Yahweh that he may instruct him, means that only Yahweh knows the mind of Yahweh. And yet it is this very mind that we have when we have the mind of Christ. Uh, And so it was great folly then uh, that the, the Corinthians were having these, um, battles of, uh, pride and supremacy in, uh, in their church, glorying in themselves rather than glorying in the Lord Jesus. That's what the rulers of this age do. That's what the great ones, so-called, they're putting great in air quotes there, aren't you? Uh, the great ones of this world do. They don't know the truth about greatness. They are about to perish. They are about to come to nothing. Verse 6, we speak wisdom among those who, mature, who are mature. Not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, are coming to nothing. In fact, no eye can see, nor ear hear, nor the heart of man devise what the Lord had prepared for his people, that the Lord of glory would be crucified for us. And so the rulers of this age, who are not humbled before God receiving meekly what the Lord says by his spirit, what do they do? Uh, Or uh, what's the result for them? Well, the result is that they don't know the truth. They don't know what God had ordained before the ages for the glory of believers. And so you have the rulers of this age trying to puff themselves up to make themselves glorious. They don't realize that only God is glorious and that this glorious God has a plan for bringing believers into his glory. Believers who are not very impressive, (coughs) as he's just got done pointing out to them in chapter 1 about how very few of them are impressive in any way, shape, or form. And yet God himself had ordained within himself before the ages that he would bring unimpressive, undeserving, anti-deserving sinners faith in Jesus Christ and that they would end up being glorified together with him. And so he says, the wisdom that we speak uh, is a mystery, a hidden wisdom from God, a hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory and so how do you come to know it? You don't come to know it by being great. You don't come to know it uh, by how eloquent the preacher is uh, or impressive the sermon is. You come to know it because the Holy Spirit makes you a spiritual person. It's spiritual wisdom. Uh It's taught in spiritual words, these things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches. And so the Spirit... Uh, Give spiritual words uh his words to the people whom he is giving his uh his mind, his understanding, and so he says, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God, we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God, and so when he says comparing spiritual things with spiritual uh, it's probably better. Uh, translated spiritual things for spiritual people. Um, That is, the Holy Spirit is the one both who gives the words and who does the work in the heart. Uh, And he compares the spiritual person versus the natural person. The natural person does not receive the things of God, he says, verse 14, they are foolishness to him, nor can he even know them, for they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, that is, someone in whom the Holy Spirit is working gives uh, the mind of Christ, that person can receive uh, and understand uh, what what the word tells us about Jesus Christ being the Lord. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so we can... Uh, On the one hand, if we uh, don't understand, or maybe we understand, but feel that we aren't convinced like we should be in our hearts, the truth about Jesus being God, who became a man to die for us, we have something that we can do. We can pray to God the Holy Spirit that he would give us hearts that are alive and minds to understand, that we would be convinced because we know that it doesn't come from us. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And then if we do believe the truth about Jesus, then we would be humble, we would embrace our lowliness, and when we talk to other people about Jesus, we would do so not trying for ourselves to be impressive, which is the great temptation in all theological conversation, is to try for ourselves to be impressive. But when we talk to other people about him, we talk as those who are impressed with him who are impressed with the Father, who are impressed with the Spirit, who are impressed with the triune God, desiring that they would see how glorious the Lord Jesus is and how good he has been to give himself for sinners. Uh, And so we are invited by the great glory of God as uh, taught to us by the Spirit to humble ourselves low, to know that if we are going to be glorified, and we are, It's going to be by God's way of glorifying us that he ordained before the ages by uniting us to Jesus by faith and displaying us glorious in the last day when Christ, who is our life, returns and we appear with him then in glory. So let us humble ourselves and let us ask the Spirit to teach us the glory of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, forgive us for how proud we are, how we try to be the impressive ones, how much we want others to think well of us, uh, because we realize after reading this passage that this comes from the flesh, this comes from the spirit of the age, this is just like those who are great uh, in the world and who are coming to nothing, uh, and even worse, it comes from those who are not appreciating and loving Your glory, O God, and particularly your glory in our Lord Jesus Christ as taught by your Spirit. So we pray that you'd forgive us for our pride and that you'd humble us, and that your Spirit would teach us the great glory of Christ who was crucified for us, that we might bless your name for what you have determined in yourself to do for us and then in us from before the world began. And we pray that you would keep doing this work that you have planned. By your Spirit, who would apply Christ to us, in whose name we ask it. Amen.